Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. Before we get started, a quote from Lucille Ball. Once in his life, every man is entitled to fall madly in love with a gorgeous redhead. And this may be true, but to keep that love flowing after the honeymoon phase, it is important to change things up a bit. Avoid that same routine, guys. Maybe make your own coffee for once. He'll call, hey, Lucy, is the coffee percolated yet? But anyways, since our listeners have scolded me in the past for giving life advice, I guess I'll start the show so we can see what's percolating in the normal life of cast iron Catherine Knight. All right, so I asked on Facebook to the uh, group if anyone was on Team John. And, you know, granted, a lot of people probably haven't heard it yet. Oh, here's one from Tony. I haven't had the opportunity to listen to it. We just put it out yesterday. But I can't think of a time I didn't fall on Team John. So there's a solid chance. All right, Tony, here's what you do. You only listen to half of the first episode <laughs> and then don't listen to the second one. True. That's that sounds about right. Grace says, not team John. If she'd done the abuse and killing to the bros who molested and raped her from four to fourteen, I may have just been on Team John, even though vigilante justice isn't right, etc. I do feel sick that she went through all that. She did, and sorry the world didn't get to see what a healthy, happy, untouched Catherine may have been like. Mm, wow, that's a really good yeah, point. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Because I think if she would have focused that energy into something else, you know. Instead she of could. slaughtering pigs. And then again, you know. like, we mentioned a little bit about BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She definitely was suffering with that, so... I believe if she didn't have that, it would have been a different story, but I don't know. Okay, so last time I talked about the first marriage, David Collette, where we left off. I got to mention, I don't know if y'all saw the picture of Katherine Knight that I put on talkmer.com, but yeah. she is a redhead. It was that a doesn't crazy matter, photo, too. Or does it matter? Well, it was a good picture. Like, really sinister looking. What are you, are you implying that because she has red hair and some of her genes are mutated that she is more likely to? Um, well, gingers have no souls. <laughs> and that's proven. <laughs> and in fact. That's terrible. <laughs> I, where did that start from? <laughs> I don't know, but we'll be reading from a. I think it was a vine. We'll be reading from a was psychiatrist it? later that actually said. She was suffering from a lack of a conscious. But the the which means she the term redheaded stepchild has been around for a long time. So I'm gonna briefly go over the first marriage. David Collette. You remember he came home to change his shirt before going to a bar. Mm-hmm. Now that was pretty innocent, from what I've been reading. Oh, but he was four minutes late. Yeah, he was four minutes late. She throws Suspicious. all of his clothes in the bathtub and lights them on fire, which <laughs> in turn Lisa lights eye style. Which in turn lights the whole entire house on fire. David Collette, the first marriage right out the box. It lasted good for, I mean, a good solid two weeks. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like celebrity marriages nowadays. That's less than Kim Kardashian's marriage to Chris Humphreys. Mm -hmm. All right. David Collette, remember, 
iron to the face, frying pan to the back of the head, fractured skull. That's the same guy. He was choking on his own vomit before it was over. And that's all because he was four minutes late. At this point, he knows that he's got to get out of the relationship. I mean, there is no question about that. Mm. She's going to damn kill him. Yeah. He's lucky he's not dead already. True. Frying you know? pan to mm. the head, not good. Life is not a cartoon. Yeah. He he realizes he needs to get out before he gets murdered. But that's the thing. You just can't leave Katherine. You just can't be like, bye, and then go and I'm going to get my Want own apartment. Stuff like that. If you even try that, you're dead. He's got to vanish. He's got to escape. Yeah. He's got to escape this life with Catherine. So how does he do that? Makes um, his own death. He escapes in the middle of the night. Yeah, kind of so. Get out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. In May of 1976, his wife, Catherine, was having a baby. It was going to be her first daughter, Melissa. He leaves while she's having the baby? When she goes into labor. Now, she's in the bed having labor in the hospital. She's looking at the floor because, you know, outside you can see, like, the shadows of the footsteps. And all the time she's like, is that David? Is that David? Oh, is outside, he here? like outside the outside room, the room uh, yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, he never came, and in fact, wow, that was his opportunity. That was his only opportunity wow. yeah. when she's in the fucking hospital. The only opportunity, and not even. I mean, he planned this for a while. Well, there are fifty ways to leave your lover, but Paul Simon did not mention correct that. So th- was there, when did she get pregnant? Like, because you said it kind of fell apart in two weeks. Did she get pregnant? No, no, I didn't say two weeks. I said it was good for two weeks, oh, and oh. then the fighting start. I mean, they go on this like honeymoon thing, you know? Honeymoon what I'm phase. But yeah. how long did they know each other before they were married, though? Wouldn't you think that she would display some of this behavior in the relationship? She usually lasts a few years with each guy hmm. that we're going to talk about. So maybe it's a gradual thing. Yeah, it's a gradual thing, hmm. but it's quick that she becomes violent. So what he decided to do is he knows a girl in Queensland that he already knew before Catherine. So he starts shacking up with her while they're married. Okay. Now, Catherine doesn't know about this, but at the same time, things are growing cold and she's getting distant and the fighting is getting worse. So he uses this as an escape and he waits until she's in labor to make his escape. Now, he went to the mine. Because he's a minor. <laughs> I understand it now. He's, he's a minor. He's legal of age. He goes to the mine. He uh, puts in, you know, he basically quits. Not yeah. not two-week notice. He says, listen, if I don't get out of here, she's going to kill me. I'm outie. And the boss is like, yeah, we all get it. Ha- you know, have a and great life. And they see life. Like, yeah. her, like, samurai exactly. sawing these pigs with her knife set. He leaves when she's in labor. He goes and relocates to Queensland, which is a long way away. It's like a thousand mile drive. It's wow. very far. That was the perfect opportunity. That really? was May 1976. She gives birth to their daughter, Melissa Ann. Let's back up a second. Mm-hmm. I told you she's going through all this shit. She's emotionally just wrecked already. She's extremely violent. She's Her mood is all over the place. She's got borderline personality disorder. She's a fucking train wreck. Literally, fucking train wreck. So now she has a baby, and her husband left her while she was in labor for a, another woman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how can this go wrong? <laughs> like, what well, can this go? What do you think will happen? I mean, now? If it's. I mean, that's a pr- pretty 
awful way for somebody to leave you. Granted, like, she, she kind of got what was coming to her there. But, damn, like, that's that's probably the most vulnerable a woman will ever be is when she is in labor in the most painful experience ever. She's you know? stuck indoors back in old Aberdeen by herself while she's on maternity leave. This is her basic routine. She wakes up when the sun comes up. No alarm, obviously. I do that. So she puts the baby in the carriage and she starts pushing it up and down the street of Aberdeen. But not like the baby pushers here in Mount Pleasant that are all like smiling. They got their AirPods on, their iPhone or whatever. I've seen them like run with these. Ba- they have oh, the yeah. baby they have the joggers, the, the jogger baby uh-huh. thing. And they're like high speed. I'm like, Jesus. Thing. Shout out, free. Danny. I know you do that <laughs> with both of the kids. It's like a national sport. She's pushing them both. They should make that shit a sport. There was a woman who um, like broke some sort of record. She was p- pushing between the stroller and her two kids. It was like 120 pounds and she finished a marathon in like three hours pushing a stroller. I don't think I could finish a marathon in three hours without a stroller. Definitely. I, no way. Absolutely Because not. there is no way in hell you will see me running a marathon. It takes me about a little over two hours to do a half marathon. She wakes up, the baby's so. in the carriage. She pushes the baby up and down the streets of Aberdeen. Think about this. Think about your street. And there's a baby pusher, like always. Here, there's a lot of baby pushers. But think about a crazy woman who is talking to herself, who is yelling obscene things, who is basically yelling at the baby that the husband is out screwing some hoe and getting his wiener all moist and stuff like that with some random stranger and all he's been cheating on me. She's basically directing all this energy into the baby, like right in the baby's face. Like that's unpleasant to listen to as an adult. As the weeks progress... People are literally pulling back their window curtains looking at it because this is a sight to see. And it gets worse. She's now yelling randomly into the atmosphere and she's got a baby. Remember, she's pushing this baby like it's a drag car. She's basically like, oh, there's a pothole. And she's jumping it, like jumping over it. When the baby's like bouncing up. Like an extreme sport. Yeah, like an extreme sport. Extreme baby jogging. Backflips. She like good for the baby. She pushes down on the handles and the stroller backflips. People are looking out of the window and eventually they started calling the cops because she's gonna kill this damn baby. She's damn pushing the stroller, doing backflips and jumping off ramps, dodging potholes, you know what I'm saying? And yelling. So the cops came, and every time the cops come for Catherine, it's not just like, okay, you know, I'm busted. It's a whole production. She's got knives. They have to get bully sticks. They have to get, like, ten other cops, tackle her like she's a defensive linebacker for the Patriots, you know. I threw that in there for you. Thank you. They're doing really well. Appreciate it. Knock on wood. Just to get her on the ground. It's a whole thing. She doesn't go willingly, okay? Even with a baby, she doesn't go willingly. So she ends up in a mental hospital for several weeks. Let me tell you about old Ted. Now, old Ted (laughs) is about a 70-year-old man. He's a vagrant, and he's a former, Nicole, minor, Obviously, he would. St- well, he's has he <laughs> hasn't been former minors. He hasn't been a minor for a long time. If he's seventy, 
Uh, Nicole the Porter's third place geography minor. Thank you. I'm drinking out of my sippy cup. Thank you. Okay. He would spend all of his days, I mean, because he's homeless, basically. He is the town, you know, in a town that small, there's not many homeless people, I'd imagine. So everyone knows he's the kind of guy to dumpster dive and stuff like that. The majority of his time he would spend on the railroad tracks because on the railroad tracks, they have mushrooms that grow along the side. I don't know what type of mushrooms. I take a lot of mushrooms here, not psychedelic. An obscene amount of mushrooms in this house. Yeah, I take a shit ton of mushrooms. Turkey I tail. love mushrooms. Anyway. Saute them with some butter and garlic. He's mm. walking on the railroad track looking for mushrooms because that's mm. what he does. He likes Aren't to collect some these mushrooms. mushrooms poisonous, though? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure he knows which ones are not. That could be a bad hobby. You know in Super Mario how he eats the mushroom? Yeah, and gets bigger. Yeah. Do you think that's him experiencing a psychedelic experience? Ooh. So he's walking down the track looking for these mushrooms, and he hears a very distant sound, and he's like, shit, does that sound like a baby? Fuck. If your babies sounded like that, I'd be really concerned. Okay, so keep in mind, Aberdeen is a train type of place. This is a mining town. Trains come in and out all the time because of the mines. So he's walking along the tracks, and he hears what he thinks is a baby. But in his head, he's like... Was it a dingo? Maybe it's just some mother and her baby because the mother is trying to show the baby how the train works. Whatever. Okay? So he doesn't pay any attention to it. He just goes about his old vagrant ways of picking up mushrooms. Anyway, he starts hearing a train... No, I was praying that you guys would not bring up that was stuck on my head for days. I know. And I think we really struck a nerve with the parents who are like, oh yeah, my they were god. They struck a nerve with me listening choo, back choo, to it. I was like, how many times do I have to listen to this? Choo choo, here comes the train. Every time the train was coming, I had to play that. You know, that's how my great. mind Thank works. Thank God it wasn't it was a two-parter. Like, the train tracks start to rumble a little bit. And as he's walking forward, he kind of moves off the tracks because, you know, he doesn't want to get hit, obviously. Right. But he hears the baby again wailing, and there's he doesn't hear the mother at all. So he's now he's a little worried. So he looks ahead, you know, in front of him, about 200 feet, and there's a swaddle on the tracks. No. And he realizes <gasps> that's a baby. Uh- there's a baby Ooh, on the railroad tracks. And Team and John. he's crying. <laughs> and not only that, there's a train barreling down behind me. Insert blippy clip. Please, no. And I'm an old-ass man, and in his head, he had to work out the math. All right, if I run a distance of X... And train is a distance of Y. It's like a math problem. Exactly. See, this is why math is relevant. Stay in school, kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He says, fuck it. He drops all of his mushrooms. But also, you shouldn't stop to try to calculate this. You should just, like, fucking go and try. Uh. No, I mean, like, (laughs) (laughs) if that costs him seconds or precious time. Uh, No, my baby. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. He throws down his mushrooms, hopefully not on the track, you know, because they would have got ruined. And he run, he books it, man. He books it towards this baby that's crying. And believe it or not, just like in a Superman movie or whatever movie you can think of where the hero 
you know, heroically saves the person right before they're getting right before they're about to get hit by some large object speeding towards them. He grabs the baby and throws it off the track seconds away from the train, completely demolishing the baby. I mean, mm-hmm. literally. His, Did he get out of the way? His heel of his right <gasps> foot made contact barely with this train that was going wow. 60 miles an hour, barreling down the track. That's how close it was. He saved this baby. Old Ted is a hero. Now, at the same time, believe it or not, the police are after Kathy because all the neighbors, they're wondering where the hell her baby is because they haven't seen her, the baby. They haven't seen the baby in a while. So they're concerned. Kathy's not at the home. So the police are dispatched already looking for her. Obviously, the police get there. There's no baby. And just like always, there's a huge confrontation with Kathy. So she's in downtown Aberdeen. And this whole thing, she makes a big scene. All these police are like, all right, we got it. You know, we got to subdue you and stuff like that. Please don't cut me up. Don't cut my liver out and stuff like that. But they subdue her. She's on the ground getting arrested. And right at that second, she sees old Ted... Walking up, strolling with his bad hip, with a baby, wow. with Melissa like, in his arms. And she's like, fuck, fuck, fuck you, how fuck. Did, how did she, how did he know whose baby it was? Everyone knows whose baby it is. In a town small like Aberdeen, they mm. knew whose baby it was. Everybody knows Kathy. She is fucking insane and she is... She's like that crazy person in every small town. I mean, everyone knew who she was. Anyway, guess where she ends up? She's in a hospital. All right. She gets out of the hospital. Thank God they decided not to give her her baby back because she literally put it on the train tracks. Mm -hmm. She, at this point, has completely lost her ability to speak any words. Picture that same woman, that redhead walking up and down the streets, pushing her baby, yelling all this obscene stuff. Now, there's no baby, and she's not yelling obscene stuff. She's walking and grunting like a caveman. She can't even speak. I don't know the psychology behind it, but she literally cannot speak. She's just like, Isn't that uh, aphasia? She, I don't know. She gets out of the mental hospital. She's grunting. I know what I got to do. And her echo chamber she knows what she's got to do this isn't my fault i didn't put that baby on the track i mean i did but the reason i did is because that motherfucker david (laughs) he wants to put his wiener in someone else fuck that shit i'm gonna go show him i'm gonna cut that little wiener off i'm gonna cut that wiener off with an axe on him i'm gonna take my my right hand and pull the wiener back when it's flaccid so it stretches out long. I'm going to take that axe and just scare and then wiggle it around in my hand. I'm going to do that. I am not fucking around. She goes to a general store. This is right after she gets out of the mental hospital. There's a display axe, and I can just imagine. A little small-town general store, right? It's got the big window yeah. display there's like a mannequin maybe he's wearing like one of those plaid work shirts that the uh would you wear plaid lumberjacks make 
you are know, you the, into plaid, John? The lumberjacks wear. Yeah, I mean, I guess. So I can buy you a plaid shirt and you yeah. wear it. Really? Yeah, I love plaid. Me too. So flannels. Did you know there's like a subscription box out there where you can get? <laughs> oh God, flannels. There's a subscription box for fucking everything. But I love flannels. My mom used to tell me that I had too many. I couldn't buy anymore. So I really had to cut down on my collection. Now I have about three or four good flannels. So there's this mannequin in the general store display carrying this brand new axe, maybe like a hefty. I don't know what the models back then, but like what's the models now? Like a husky. Husky is what I mean. He's carrying husky axe, the brand new 18 levels of sharpness, like. It was a display axe. Oh, I thought for a second you were asking the proper term to call a plus-size model. And you are calling them husky. And I was like, that's not right. <laughs> that's, that's incorrect, sir. So she goes into the general store. She basically steals the axe right out the mannequin's hand. Now, in her head, this is exactly what's going on. I'm glad I got rid of that damn baby. Fuck that baby. Fuck that motherfucking baby. That baby was dead weight. Okay. Okay. That's terrible. And now my mission is to kill David. But David done moved to Queensland, and I don't know his address. So I'm going to take this axe, and I'm going to go to Queensland where his mom lives, Mm -hmm. find his mama, torture his mama, maybe cut her up a little bit until she gives me his address. Then I'm going to go, and I'm going to cut him a little bit. You know what? I might cut that whore that he's with up with. Okay, I might cut her up, too. Might cut that little blonde girl that he's been up with, trying to get in her pants and all that stuff. I might cut her up as well. That sounds nice. The cops find her before she can carry out this plan. The cops, are they're at this little, like, service station downtown in Aberdeen. She's got this axe. The cops, like, they're three or four now. They know what they're about to deal with. She swings this axe at a cop. And it cuts him open from his elbow to his wrist. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Did no you know that shit. the size of your shoe of your foot is this is the length from your elbow to your wrist? At this point, she's back in the mental hospital. Now she's in the maximum security hospital. Mm-hmm. But Rightfully a month so. later, a month later, she gets out. Everything, Why did they keep letting her out? Everything's fine. She gets out. She'll be okay now. They finally diagnosed her with borderline personality mm. disorder. They let her out, and they say, you better not cause any trouble now. I'm trusting you. And she's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What trouble can I cause? Okay, three days later. Now, she's out of the mental hospital three days later. In her mind, she's like, I still got this mission. I got to kill that motherfucker. <laughs> right? <laughs> so... Her neighbor, the Macbeths, which have That's ironic. which been which have been kind of helping them out, uh-huh. even though they tried to stay away from yeah. her. She goes up to the door and knock, knock, knock. The sixteen-year-old Margaret Macbeth, the teenager, the girl, the teenager of the Macbeths, she opens the door and she sees. Kathy there and she's in her good spirits, you know. Hey, um, I don't I don't mean to be too forward or anything, but um my baby is sick and I don't have my car and I was I was hoping you could take me, you know, so I can see my baby. Mm. Now the teenager, the sixteen year old, okay, Margaret, asked, Where's your baby? Is the baby with your parents? 
Because that's what she thought was the, the most obvious conclusion to this, that it's with her parents, mm-hmm. okay? But it wasn't, right? Because they took the baby away from her. Anyway, she says, please, please take me to see my baby. And then the 16-year-old's like, okay, I just got to grab my little brother because I'm babysitting. Now the brother is like a 10-year-old or younger, so they all get in the car and Kathy is in the passenger seat. They start driving, and the mm-hmm. 16-year-old Margaret's like, where are we going? Where's your baby at? And Kathy says, my baby's in Queensland, which is a 1,000 miles away. Hmm. So, Kathy, I can't drive you to Queensland. That's like a 1,000 miles away. Can you get someone else to do it? That's what she says, just like that. Yeah. Kathy then pulls out a fucking knife like she's oh, good shit. at and puts it on her lap and basically say, bitch, you're going to drive me to Queensland that's, or somebody's going to die. That's like the distance from here to home, to yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. That's far. crazy. That's a long way. This is what Kathy says to the teenager. Who gives a fuck about the baby? We're going to get David. His mom lives in Queensland. He'll be back on her apron strings. Him and his whore. They'll both be there with her. I'll see them all. She basically says, shut the fuck up and start driving or I'm going to stab somebody up in this piece. That's exactly what she said. So the teenage girl is scared as shit. She's like, okay, okay. But you do understand that I got to get what they call it in Australia, petrol, because, you know, better than us. But... She's got to get petrol. So Catherine's like, okay, I understand. That's logical. They pull to a gas station. The 16-year-old has to go in to pay because, you know, she doesn't have a credit card or whatever. She tells the attendant, listen. Now, keep in mind, this is Aberdeen. Everyone knows Catherine Knight already. She says, listen, Catherine Knight has got me ransom. So the police come, and there's a big confrontation Outside at the gas station. Now you have two cops trying to subdue this crazy woman. She's in the back holding a knife to the baby, to the baby brother. And this is what the police say. Let's just put that knife down, eh? We're friends here, aren't we, Kath? Fuck you and the mother you rode in on. No need for that now, Kath. It's all over now. Just you put that knife down and we can talk this through. No reason anyone needs to get in any trouble. I'll slit his fucking throat. You take a step towards me and you're killing him. At this point, the gas station attendant actually comes out with broomsticks because there's two cops trying <laughs> to... She's a witch! Burn her! Well, number one... Yeah. She... <laughs> she... <laughs> I mean, you have to understand everyone in town is horrified of Kathy. So at this time, the police aren't going near her. They'd they rather see this baby boy get cut up than have to deal with this. The gas station attendant brings out two broomsticks, like big-ass broomsticks, so they can beat her into oh, submission. I like, literally thought that this was some sort of, like, they were trying to say that she's a witch after all. I thought they were going to try to do some, like, witchery thing. No, I just like a good pun and reference. But that's what I was thinking, too. 
The police didn't dare to come close to her. She was taller than any one of the officers sent out to fetch her. And with that axe in hand, she had enough of a reach to take a lump out of any one of them if they tried to come at her with billy clubs. They trailed along just out of reach, keeping everyone else out of her way as she stalked back and forth, swinging the axe around and around, growling and spitting and snarling, working herself up to make the, her charge. She is like a damn caveman with a fucking axe, a caveman with an axe. She's taller than all of them. She's got bright red hair. How tall is she? She's like 6'2", maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's a lot of women. Yeah, she's tall and she's mean. That's taller than me. And she's like, she's got an axe. She's swinging. She can't even talk at this point. Really? I mean, I told you she kind of lost her voice. Wow. How long do you think she stayed in the mental hospital this time? Two weeks. Close. She stayed one month in the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. Isn't now, it ironic? This is fucking nuts right here. The police. I think it, they have to do this. I'm not sure. But they go to David and say, listen, we just arrested Kathy because she was on the way to murder you and your mom. Okay? David's like... Oh, my God. Are you serious? I can't believe this. This is all my fault. Everything that is wrong is my fault. I'm to blame for this. I need to come back and comfort Kathy because this is my fault. I'm the reason she went crazy. So being a great guy like he is, okay, because remember, he's the one that abandoned her in labor, And now she went crazy. So being a great guy that he is, he leaves his girlfriend, okay, and goes back to Aberdeen. Now, I do want to point out, he leaves his current girlfriend while she's currently going through labor, too. (laughs) Oh, my God. She leaves. He leaves his girlfriend, who is pregnant, to to go back because he ultimately felt bad for leaving a pregnant woman. So he basically leaves he another left pregnant woman. the other woman. pregnant woman. Exactly. So this is Australia for you. Oops, Lauren, I didn't mean to say that. This is all Aberdeen for you. Or just this, like, particular couple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he sounds uh, like a real winner. Okay. So he returns to Kathy. That is love. That's that that stupidity. That's how you know you need to marry that woman. He already did. <laughs> that is True love, okay? True love. Love hurts. You know what they say? Love hurts. Love hurts. It's like a frying pan. Love hurts. <laughs> All right, hot iron. David actually had to assure the courts and the hospital that he would be a primary caretaker to Catherine because she was going to get out in a month, but they weren't going to let her out. They were going to keep her ass in there because, believe it or not, the entire town of Aberdeen goes to the police and the governor and says, please don't let her out. They were on their knees begging the governor, please do not let her out. Please stop begging you. David had to go and sign all these things that says he will be the primary caretaker and she is his responsibility. That's fucking crazy. On August 9th, 1976, Kathy was released back to David Now, at this point, David's mother moves in with them, and the baby's back because David's there. Now, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Here is, here starts the problem. I mean, the problem is with Kathy, obviously, but the mother 
starts taking over as a primary caregiver to the baby and the chores and all this stuff. That presents a problem because remember the mother is still living in the house. She was released August 9th, 1976 on March 6th, 1980. So you see they spent four years together after this. That is when her second daughter, Natasha Marie Collette, was born. This is from the court documents. This kind of sums up Kathy. From a review of the prisoner's history, I am satisfied beyond reasonable doubt that the prisoner was, throughout her various relationships, a person who is prone to violence and vindictiveness, to malice and possessiveness and to cruelty, and that she was also a person who is anxious to present herself as an innocent victim, whereas, in fact, she was not infrequently a serious aggressor. In fact, she was not infrequently a serious aggressor, which means that she was a serious aggressor frequently. Okay, now, I'm going to talk about her other boyfriends because the thing with David didn't work out. And in fact, one of the things about borderline personality disorder that I was looking up is that, number one, you're impulsive and that you may just all of a sudden just cut off ties with a relationship or a friendship like it doesn't matter. And in fact, that's what she did with David. Remember, she was going to kill this guy because all this stuff eventually... After the second child was born, she completely lost interest, and she's the one that asked for a divorce. Well, that's the thing about BPD. One of the criteria is that you go in cycles of almost worshiping to, like, devaluing your your relationships. They end up getting divorced. Now, remember, I said her second daughter was born in 1980. They get divorced shortly after that. Mm -hmm. She goes... And she's just screwing the town, man. I'm talking about like every the men. Yeah, the men. Every oh. new guy that would come but in isn't, there. Does not, not? Does she not have a reputation? No, of being she like does. Fucking crazy? She does. That, that's a, why she doesn't get the people that have. She's lived got there a, a very time. toxic reputation. But the new miners, miners, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah. Of, they're of age. I the get new it. miners that are coming in town that don't know the reputation yet. She gets them. She's got first dibs. She brings them home. Because she's the only woman in the slaughterhouse. She's like yeah. this kind well, of Well, she's the only woman at the chick. bars, too. So she walks up to them and, and is like, hey, you want to you wanna get some of this poon? And they usually do it. And they fall in love with her. That sounds really easy. Tragedy strikes in 1986, which is when I was born. I meant, that's not the tragedy. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Tragedy strikes in 1986. She was lifting a heavy hog to put on the stake. It's like a 300-pound hog. You come on over here. Now, at this point, she's 31 years old. She pulls out her back. Oh. And she is completely disabled, not as she's in a wheelchair, but she can no longer work because this hog done pulled her back. That's a huge blow. She probably wasn't lifting safely. Her entire 30 pounds life, and above is a team lift. Her entire life is based around a few things. Okay. That's slaughtering pigs. Okay. And that's drinking at the bar. So now that one slaughtering pigs is out because she pulled her back. She she, gets on, she can't just like slice and dice. She has she can't do it without lifting. No, they they I guess uh, she does it all. No, she got out completely. She got uh, a pension, disability pension, and stuff like that. She can never work again, basically. Wow. 
around this time, I mean, she went through a lot of men. I'm telling you that right now. But a mm. few of them stuck around for a little while. I'm talking about a year or two more, you know, three or four years. 38-year-old David Saunders. I'm going to run through a few of these guys. They're not really important to the story, but I kind of want to show you their life with Kathy. Same routine. is great for a week. She's like the best girl ever. You know, they move in together, and then it's like all hell breaks loose. Like mm-hmm. the fucking fabric of hell just rips into the earth, and out comes these red-headed demons. Literally, it's what it is. Now, this whole time, keep in mind when I talk about all this abuse and shit, her daughters are living in the house. With David Saunders, you have this, the usual. You have constant fighting. You have abuse from both Kathy and David Saunders, right? They're beating the mm-hmm. living tits out of each other. One year goes by. This is their one-year anniversary. He buys flowers. It's a good day. I'm going to make her know that I love her. I'm going to buy these beautiful flowers. And to work up to this, because I knew it was the anniversary coming up and I really love her, I bought her two daughters a new puppy, like a nice little lab. Like, beep, 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 beep. You know, he's running around. So I'm going to buy these flowers, and we're going to have a good night. It's going to be a lot of sex going on. Okay, lots. I want to sex you up. So he gets home from the mine, and he walks in with these nice bouquet of flowers. He gives her a kiss on the cheek, or tries to. She's washing dishes. He's like, hey, baby, I got these flowers. We're going to have some coitus. <laughs> Spilled my fucking white claw all over me. Okay. She looks at him like she's a spawn of Satan. She's obviously in a bad mood. But here's the thing he didn't do anything wrong, but try to bring her some flowers That's and sweet. sex her up a little bit. So they're in the kitchen. They start fighting. She grabs a knife and she's learning to control herself. You know, obviously. I shouldn't be cutting open my boyfriends. I'm I'm really trying to relax. Count to ten. So she's counting to ten as she walks outside into the garden and she tries to blow off steam. And this is exactly how she does it. Catherine had the puppy by the scruff of its neck. Oh no, I don't want to read uh-uh. this. No, as soon as she said that, I was like, how do we turn this off? <laughs> it's like a two-week-year-old uh, puppy. No. A two-week-year-old? Or a two-week-year-old puppy. A two-week-old. A two-week-old. Two-week-year-old. No. Or two-week-old. There we go. Do you, like, how do you get a dog when it's two weeks old? Like, don't you have to Yeah. Wait? It's like a like little minimum uh, of like little lab, seven uh, weeks, though. A uh, yellow lab. It's a very cute little dog. What a lab. He's playing in the lab. garden like, I'm so happy. <sighs> don't tell us that, John. The more details you give us, the more it's going to bother us when we hear about how she slaughters a dog. Oh, God. <laughs> Catherine had the puppy by the scruff of its neck, dangling it by its fistful of fur and skin level to her eyes. It was letting out a piteous wail that kept distracting David. Just but, read right through it real quick. But, Don't even waste know, your time on it. I know, it. okay. But she did nothing else until it looked at her. Then, oh, the chopping <laughs> knife in her hand flashed out and the bleeding no. started. She slit the dog's throat so deeply no. that she could see its spine glinting no. in the white mess of gore. Its wails turned into gurgles in the oh. dreadful silence as she dropped it to the ground. If I ever catch you running around on me, this is what I'll do to you. David backed away from her, horrified. She dropped the knife into the dog's corpse to stand on Ed and then stalked after him. What the fuck? 
can we go get the dogs in here? Yes, yeah, so we need the dogs. It said she slit the dog's throat so deeply that she could see its spine glinting white. Dogs. Oh my god. Its wails turned to gurgles. So that's why you don't mess with Catherine Knight, because she'll take your puppy and do that to it. It's fucking awful. She'll do anything, is what we're learning. So she basically cuts his dog up, throws it on the ground, and then runs into the kitchen at David. Now, this is their one-year anniversary, and it's not just a regular fight. She's going to kill him. She runs in there and grabs her favorite thing, a cast iron pan. Gotta love me some Le Creuset. She winds up for the, the, <laughs> for the, the pitch. <laughs> winds up for the pitch, and she's off. She hits him in the arm because he he's like, ah, and he puts his arm up, and it actually breaks the bone in his arm. She hits him so hard. And that's all he can remember because she hit him again in the back of the head, like always, and he's unconscious. Now, she says... Why did you do it, David? Why would you go and do that to me and her family? David didn't do shit. <laughs> hmm. He wasn't cheating or anything. He bought her flowers. This is the echo chamber in Kathy's head. It's pr- it's like ridiculous. Wow. Like, oh, you went to buy flowers at the supermarket? That means you must be cheating ha- on me. A, I bet there was a hoe there. Would you look at her? Did you fuck her? Did you take her in the break room and have coitus with her? All this stuff, that's in her head. That's what she's going through. So Um, the whole time, you know, when she sees that flowers, that's what she's thinking about. Like, it's fucking nuts. uh, Luckily for him, he had kept his old apartment, even though they were living together for about a year. So he spent a week there recovering and definitely not answering the phone when Kathy called. Okay. Like all the boyfriends and all of the ex-husbands, he has what doctors call PTSD. And that means he is scared as shit <laughs> to even go out of the house. I bet. Because he thinks she's stalking him with a frying pan and a knife. I mean, all these boys had PTSD about Kathy. The whole town did. A week later, she shows up outside of his apartment. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> I'm so sorry, honey. Please let me come in. You know, I was just not in a good mood. Please. A few months go by. She's pregnant again with his baby. <laughs> They've been together for a few months. He took her back. So they actually move into the eventual murder house on McQueen Street. Now, in early 1989, everything was going decent for being in a relationship with Kathy. But he came home one day, and he noticed that his clothes were dirty, and he can't have any clean clothes. He's got to go to work tomorrow. There's no clean clothes. Kind of like me. I'm always like, there ain't no damn clean clothes in the house. They're all dirty. Excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me. He complained a little bit to her. There's no clothes. You know, I'm wearing dirty clothes. She went completely berserk, cut up all of his clothes. Rightfully so. You try saying that to me one more time. She went berserk, cut up all of his clothes in the house. Now, this is from the uh, Ryan Green book, if you want to read this, Nicole. He couldn't understand where the pain was coming from. Then he looked down and saw the scissors jammed into his stomach. 
the blood spreading out in a perfect circle <laughs> across his gut. The same scissors she was using to cut them clothes up. Damn! <laughs> she twisted the scissors as she yanked them out, and it set David yeah. howling. Shocked kicked in, numbing the pain and giving him the precious moments he needed to ensure his survival. Catherine had dropped the bloody scissors and was fumbling for her trusty iron to finish the job. David didn't hang around long (laughs) enough to give her the chance. He ran for his life, leaping into his car and tearing out of Aberdeen without pause. (laughs) That's basically dating Catherine. All right, that's basically dating Catherine for you right there. Let, let's go back for a second. You guys, I could talk about it. If I could turn back time. I could... I could talk about another couple boyfriends, but they're all the same. They all get stabbed. You guys understand that, right? I mean, how is she not in fucking prison? <laughs> Does she have a thing for David's? Okay. Now, you remember I said we started the story on the previous episode, March 1st, 2000. Okay. So we're right about right there right now. Okay. We're talking about John Price. After David Saunders left, John Price is like the fifth or sixth boyfriend after that. Everyone in town calls him pricey. He's a very well-liked man. He's actually got a very high position in the mines. And he looks a lot like Danny McBride. I'll put the picture on talkmer.com. You can see him. Anyway, he's got a very high position in the mine, which means he's making really good money. They end up hooking up, like always, probably at a bar. They move in together like a week later. That's quick. He's got kids of his own. Keep that in mind. He ends up supporting both of them. Okay, that's very important. He's got a pretty high position at the mine. Pretty prominent position. Pretty high up there. He's making really good money. He's supporting them both now. She keeps her old house, but she goes to his apartment all the time, you know, and they get it on and stuff like that. Now, they stayed together for a few years. The same thing, I don't have to go through all the craziness that she brought into his life, but it was a lot. He was scared to death of her, all this shit. Anyway, for some reason, he still wanted to marry her. Which, <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you want to marry her? <laughs> you got a real winner there. I mean, I can't think of any reason not to. John Price, Pricey. Pricey was a very honest man, very well respected throughout the town. In 1998, in the mine that he worked in, this is two years before the murder in 2000. Now, this guy gets murdered as the first episode. I mean, this is the pelt. This guy's wearing the eventual pelt. Two years before, in 1998, the mine that he worked in, they spent some money and they got some new first aid kits. You know, it's for the employees. They need the best. There's syringes. There's gauze. There's neosporin. There's whatever, little scissors you can snip, 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 you know, in the yeah. first aid kits. They're nice first aid kits. So what they do with the, the rest of the first aid kits that were outdated, expired? The Neosporin's expired. Everything's expired. We don't need this shit. Let's throw them in the dumpster. There you go. Boom. In the dumpster. Now, why am I saying that? Because John, even though he's making really good money, was very efficient with his money. He saved his money, and he used his money wisely. So he sees all his first aid kits in the dumpster. He takes them. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No. I'd do it. Fair game. Fair game. They're expired. They're in the dumpster. They're in the dumpster. He brings them home. He doesn't know what he's going to do with them yet. Maybe he can get some money out of them. 
maybe you just keep him. You know, he kind of likes that stuff. Maybe you give him to his grandkids when he's old and retired. And eh, look what I used, you know, what we used to have to use in the mines. Either way, in 1998, he is at work. And Kathy, after they got in a little argument, probably about some dumbass shit like they always argue about, she takes a video camera that he bought for her <laughs> last Christmas. Like last a Christmas. Candy cam, like one of those big ones that they used in 1998. Mm-hmm. Right? And she starts filming these first aid kits. Look at this motherfucker. He's stealing corporate property. He's stealing from the owners of this mine. She sends that tape to his boss like a bitch. Exactly. But, like, why? (laughs) What did he do? But why? But why, though? Because this is Kathy Knight. She sends this tape to his bosses. Now, keep in mind, he and his income at the mine is supporting both of them. Which is fucking stupid that she would do that. her daughters. So, one of the things about... Borderline personality disorder is you do impulsive shit. This may have been really impulsive, stupid, just, not well thought out. Just a out. smidge. Yeah, just trying to get back at him for some stupid argument that doesn't even matter. He was fired. He lost his position in the mine. That was a big blow to him because he's made that like a 20-year career already. Now, luckily, he was able to get a job at a new mine, and they didn't want to fire him, but they kind of had to. But he got a position at a new mine at a lower salary. Anyway, he decided to drop her altogether. He's a smart guy for now until he ends up as a human pelt. But he takes all of her shit, throws it out of the house, and demands her to go back to her own place. And she does. A few weeks go by. Fast forward a few weeks. She shows back up. Because he misses her. He miss, you know what they say, redhead good in bed, you know? I've never heard that before. Our redhead slaughter me dead is what I like to say. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> he starts missing her because he's not really a good looking guy. He's basically Danny McBride. Anyway, so he can't get any strange from around town. So. I hate that word. So they end up getting back together. Now, the miners, with an E, Nicole, miners. Yes, yes. His fellow miners, <laughs> which are all over the Thanks age of 18. for clarifying. Gave him an old tomatum, which I like to say old tomato. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I love that word. They give, the miners give him an old tomato. <laughs> They say, they say, listen, dude, we ain't going to go out and drink it with you anymore. If you with that Kathy girl, because t- if you with her, you're going to die. And I don't want to have that on my conscience that we ain't going drinking with you anymore until you break things off with old Catherine Knight. That was ultimatum. All of his buddies. Because it's embarrassing. Yeah. The miners, Nicole. Okay, you listen. I got gotcha. you. The miners his friends actually go and get her first husband, David Collette, and bring him Whoa. all the way back down Why? to little old Aberdeen. Now, he is on the down low. This is a top secret mission, covert operation, because he sure as shit don't want Kathy to know that he's back in town. That's for damn sure. So, covert operation. They bring him down, and he sits down with 
John Price, Pricey, and he goes over all these stories, and he's basically trying to convince him to get the fuck out and dodge before, you know, the inevitable, which is murder. Because everyone knew there was going to be a point where it actually happened. So they bring the ex-husband down to try to convince this guy, and he doesn't give in. That's what I'm saying. This redhead, they have like a power over you, you know? They like they don't have a soul of their own, so they latch onto yours and share it with you. You can't just let them go. So he kind of blew them off, and he stayed with Kathy. Now Kathy wanted to move back in because everything's going good, right? I mean, they're fighting a little bit, but they still love each other. Baby, please. <laughs> please, I'm sorry. Let me move back in, please. <laughs> I'll make you dinner every night. And then he mentioned something that he should never mention to any woman. Uh-oh. Her temper. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they start fighting. You don't have to have borderline personality disorder to not have to mention <laughs> that. She yeah. starts throwing them punches, them uppercuts, and them left hooks at John Price, and he starts throwing him back. And this is what how that plays out, if you want to read this, Nicole. The blows never fell, but something warm and wet was spreading across his Ew. chest. Had she thrown a cup of water on him? He nervously moved his arms and looked down. There was a knife sticking out of his chest, sunk in deep enough to stand proud, but not deep enough to kill him. The tip was scraping on his rib. Just the tip. The tip. Now, we're about there at the first episode. I said that was March 1st. Well, actually, I started March 4th, I believe, when the cops found the body. We're on February 29th. Mm. Ooh, it was leap year. It was leap year, so the next day is March 1st. Is it a leap year? Yeah, I think 2020 is a leap year. I think it happens every four years. February 29th, restraining order. And that piece of paper solves everything. If it says... Oh, Kathy, you can't come a thousand feet near John Price. Then that solves it. That is a, a invisible barrier that she can never cross. You think she gives a fuck about a restraining order? <laughs> she didn't give a fuck. <laughs> Not only did he get a restraining order, which she didn't give a shit about, he actually goes to work and tells everybody, "Listen, if you don't see me tomorrow, I'm dead." <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. You know? And that's why this buddy's actually called the police in the first place, because they knew already that he was dead in the home. Anyway, March 1st, 2000. Getting jiggy with it. Big Willie style. Willinium. The Willinium album just hit double platinum. She takes that video camera, okay, that he bought for her for Christmas. She makes this weird video. She goes around her house... And she's basically saying, oh, this dresser right here, I want to go, I want to go to my first daughter, Melissa. And this china set, I need to go to my second daughter. She's making a will, Mm. a video will with this video camera. She knows she's going to die. Okay, remember she tried to kill herself with them pills. She spends her remaining paycheck. She goes to Adam and Eve, you know, that sex store. Oh, or yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's Adam and Eve. I don't oh, know if they I got them like, there. I was like, is well, that that's the only sex place? store I could think of. 
Yeah, whatever. Oh, uh, what's the one in North Nancy's Bad Nook. Kitty. Bad Kitty, yeah. Bad Kitty. And then Nancy's Nook is in uh, Columbia. Nancy's, Nancy's Nook. Nancy's yeah. Nook. I used to actually live like right by there. Yeah, it, it sounds gross. weird. <laughs> Nancy's Nook. Yeah. Uh, she spends her whole paycheck on this black lingerie. Now, you got to imagine she's a tall redhead. She's got, you know, a good figure. She doesn't eat bad. She, I mean, she drinks all the time. But just picture her in this, like, lacy stuff with her boobies, you know? Please don't use those <laughs> boobies. <laughs> and it's a two-piece with her panty liners, whatever that is. Panty liners? <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's what, what you're like. thinking of. <laughs> or whatever. She's got these boots, and the heels say sex Garters? kitten on them. <laughs> what? <laughs> a garter? I don't know. Whatever she buys this lingerie. Are they boots or are they heels? Because you can't you can't have both unless it's like a like a platform. Well, I'm trying to say she's like pale redhead and black lingerie. Picture that in your head. She's on a mission now. She ain't wearing the lingerie yet. She's got to shower first, but she don't want to shower at her house. She goes over to John's house. He's already sleeping. Well, not sleeping. He's passed out drunk because you know it is just a regular night. One of the seven days of the week. Which, you know, he passes out. He didn't fall asleep. They all do that. They work in the mine. He's passed out drunk at 11 p.m. She knows he's already going to be asleep. She comes in the back, but she's real quiet. Really, you know, opening the door. She slips in. She's quiet enough to actually take a shower without him noticing. And she spends a while in that shower getting all sudsed up. Ooh, I look good. Look at me. Ooh, she may even shaved. Everything, you know, her booty hole is all shaved. And anyway, she gets out of the... <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> like, do you, is this like you just elaborating here or do you know this for a fact? <laughs> no, this is, all, this is all in court documents. Oh. Okay. <laughs> she shaved sure. her booty hole. Anyway, she gets out of the shower. She puts on this black lingerie and she's like, damn, I look good. Anyway. Okay, boo-boo. He is passed out drunk in the bed. So she goes in there and she... Gets what she wants out of her man. While he's sleeping. Well, not for long, I guess. Okay. What she wants is his skin. Who wants to read this? Jen? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that I probably don't want to. If it to. has an accent, then it's not her. Okay, She's you read it, Nicole. Up. Go ahead, Nicole, read that. She worked him with her hand and mouth until he was ready, then climbed on top of him and started to rock her hips. Softly at first, as if she was scared to wake him, then harder and harder, until the fierceness and intensity of their love-making started to shift the bed. Still, she didn't stop, and she didn't slow. John's eyes opened slowly, lust drunk and night blind. Kathy? So, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it does when you, I mean, he's drinking all day, probably at the mine. You know they drink all day at the mine. He comes home, he's already fucking wasted. He wouldn't know if he got an erection while he was sleeping. What do you think morning wood is? You don't know that you're getting an erection. You wake up, it's like, ooh, that's uh, that's pretty. You, just, you can't tell it's there? You can't when you wake up. Weird. None are so weird. Women have it too. No, we don't. Yes, you do. You no. Just, yeah. I'm sorry. Where are your are you medical about? credentials again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, fuck it. What? Explain. <laughs> All right. She's riding him hard. She's giving it to him like he's never got it before. He's about to blow his mind. Oh, Redhead, good in bed. I don't know when it happened, but somehow 
when she's on top of him grinding it, eh, grinding his handle, she pulls out her own handle with a blade on it. Oh, she pulls out a knife. You guys get it? Yeah, got okay. it. Okay. She pulls out a blade and she starts stabbing him. Eh, 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 all over his body 37 times. Eventually, wow. 37 times. Remember, he actually made it out the bed, made it out the house. And you were asking in the first episode, Nicole, you said, well, it can't be a woman because he was dragged back in the house. Yeah. He made it all the way to the front yard. And she's like, you better get on over here. She drags him back in the house. So that's how strong she was. Think about that strength stabbing someone 37 times. She could smell him, sweat slick and terrified. She could hear his feeble one-lunged whimpers for help. Wetness clung to her, his sweat, his seed, his blood. She had taken it all from him, and now it ran over her skin as she lunged out of bed after him. He dies, obviously. And in, in the Ryan Green book we're reading from, one of the lines I really liked was, he was too stupid to know he was already dead when he ran out of the house. Like, he was basically, like, already dead, just running off adrenaline, and she dragged him back in. It's kind of crazy. So if you guys went to talkmer.com and saw the pictures from last episode, you'll see the front door, which is here. So you see it's all bloody. Okay, so now it's time to finish him off. He tries to escape, as you heard from last story. She drags him back in. But the night just started. The real fun's about to begin, She's been disabled for a while. She can't do what she really wants to do. I told you there's two things that make Kathy, Catherine Knight. There's two things that make Catherine Knight. She likes drinking at the bar, and more importantly, she likes to slaughter them pigs. So now she just got it on, and she feels good. She's all sexing that lingerie like, yeah, I feel good. I need to do me. I need to do me. And that means I need to slaughter this pig which is John Price. She'd made the same cuts a million times before on other swine, blade tip grazing across the spine as she severed the soft tissues and cartilage, easing into the groove between the vertebrae when it came time to separate the head entirely. He was a pig, and he deserved to be served up like one. Do you guys remember on the first episode, and I put the pictures on talkmer.com, where I said there's little blood droplets in the kitchen, So when the police get into the house, they notice these little blood droplets that are so weird because, like, why? Like, all the blood is in the house. But see those little blood droplets right there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, leading up to the sink. The police are, like, so, this is so weird. And they also notice, well, it smells like, I don't know, like mom's fresh cooking in here. I mean, there's a, a human pelt hanging up, I know, but something smells damn good. She decides in her fucked up head that she just got back at John Price. That's done. That's over with. She wins, but she wants to go a little further now because, remember, he's got them two kids. He's got a daughter, young daughter, and a son. Jonathan is a son. Rebecca is a daughter. He's got them two kids, but they're not at home right now, but they'll be here in the morning, and they get hungry. I mean, these little kids get hungry, man. They all run around, you know, so they need to walk in, and they need to just eat. So she's like, I'm going to do these kids a favor. Oh God, I'm going to serve them up something oh, hot and God. fresh straight out the kitchen. Oh, God, no. She starts to cut off his head. Okay, I didn't tell you this. From, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell you this on episode one. Because oh, no. You did not. I, I really did want you guys to be on Team John, but apparently that's way... I don't think that's, that's going to happen. That's gone. <laughs> so, so 
this is after she skinned him or she's de- beheading this is, him after this is the, before, before she, this the this before he becomes footy pajamas she's beheading him before he becomes the snuggie the pe- the human pelt oh no right. i'm wearing my snuggie right now <laughs> she cuts off his head because she's been doing that to pigs for 20 years she knows how to do it Clean cut. And in fact, when the cops walked in there, they're like, man, something smells good. Ooh-wee. I know there's like a human pelt hanging up here, but fuck, what is that in the kitchen? Okay, and I told you there's little blood droplets going up to the sink. This is what they found on the stove. That pot looks like it can fit a human head. So, the head was in there. No, 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 no. Crime scene photo. I wish they would have lifted the lid, uh, but they didn't. No. Oh it was, God. but then again, it was boiling, so it was probably too hot to lift a lid. In fact, a crazy little tidbit for you: How did they know when John Price actually died? Well, they took the temperature of the head and doing their forensic science or whatever. They could tell when the time of death was by the temperature of the boiling head. <laughs> I don't know how. I guess they tested the brain matter or whatever. They could see when he died. I'm not going to be able to eat for like three days. This wasn't just, okay, here's a head, eat this, kids. No. She's a good cook. She learned it from her mama. Here's some of the recipes she used. Mm -mm. She's in the kitchen at Black Lingerie. That head is boiling. Ooh-wee, that head is smelling good. She's... Dicing up some veggies, dicing up some some veggies, a little splash of salt, you know, in the pot. (laughs) And then my favorite part, because you don't want to just eat, you know, a little. Yeah, there's not a lot of meat on the head, okay. And the brain, uh, the brain ain't good. It's not really a lot of meat. You can get the skin, kind of like that chicken skin. The real tastiness is in the meat. She wanted to give them some prime cuts. The one thing she loved about John Pricey is that ass. Oh, That no. ass was nice and firm, man. That was nice and she can just <laughs> oh grab it. She loved that ass. So she wanted to know what that shit tastes like. Here you go. Uh-uh. <laughs> there were a few choice cuts on this particular pig, but the rump had always been her favorite. <laughs> she sliced each of John's buttocks off with one clean cut a piece, then portioned it in two because she'd taken a little extra meat on that one and didn't want them to cook unevenly. It would be terrible if the kids got food poisoning whilst eating their worthless swine of a father's ass. The pot began to bubble, and before long it smelled just like her mother's kitchen back oh, home. God. Mm, that smells good. We should get some... Beef stew after this. Mm-mm. Anyway, she went all out. She makes these two placards because them kids are going to come in in the morning. They're going to be hungry. They, they look in the fridge. They pull out some tang. <laughs> yeah, tang. She makes two little placards. One says Beaky because she didn't know how to write. Remember, she dropped out of school. It really meant Rebecca. The other one said Jonathan, and she set the plates, which I wish they would have took a picture of. They probably did. They didn't release it. They put set the plates, and to top it off, she drizzled it over with hot, warm gravy. Did she tell them what they were eating? Children luckily didn't come home. Oh. They didn't actually eat it. Okay, good. Thank God. <sighs> yeah. I was really concerned. I know. That would have been so cool. Damn. No, no. I mean, <laughs> so, like, disturbing. <laughs> that would be real fucked. <laughs> they just ate their dad. 
That'd be fucked. Ugh. That was fucking crazy. And of course, in the first episode, she hung up the pelt and everything else. And that's where the cops found it hanging up. Yeah, exactly. So that's basically the story. Now, she obviously was put in prison. Now, the whole thing that was... damn time. The whole thing was, is she insane or not? Because she claimed she had amnesia during the event, but the psychiatrist eventually ruled out that she was conscious. She knew what she was doing. She right. had planned this because you forever. can you do dissociate sometimes if you have BPD. There, like one of the, I think one of the criteria is dissociative episodes. If I remember correctly, the town folks actually rallied up in Aberdeen and even surrounding towns at the courthouse to beg the judge, beg to never let her out of prison again. So the judge. Gave her life in prison with a special addendum. I don't think we've ever seen a judge do a special addendum. Basically like a big ass sticky note in yellow with red print that says never to be released. Basically warning for the generations down the road. Do not release her ever. Seriously, guys, this is fucking serious. Don't release her. (laughs) I was when I was shopping for um, supplies yesterday at Staples, they had huge post-its that were literally maybe like a square foot. The inmates call her the Nana, but they're not allowed to associate with her. She's actually put in her own special cell. solitary, good. Solitary in her own special setup. She's never shown any remorse for her crime. And to date, she was the first woman in Australia to receive a life sentence with no getting out, no parole. Good. Now, she shouldn't yeah. be let out. She's still in prison today, so stay the fuck away from her. Wow. So, Tacos. Wow. If you want John here to cover a story that's worse than this, all you have to do is dare him. I don't think this one's that bad. Team John. I think this is, <laughs> I mean, this is one of my favorite episodes I think we've done. I'm still on Team John. I would say they should let her out. Oh, <laughs> let her, absolutely. Now, this not. isn't Canada. That's she, false. So, the thing about this is we've done Canada stories that are twice as worse, and they get let out. <laughs> With no They're a danger penalty. to society. Exactly. Insane or not insane, danger to society. Luckily, Australia has a little more sense than Canada. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, man. Canada, mm. you guys are fucking up, dude. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That greyhound killer. Oof. All right, but that's my Catherine Knight story. Any questions? No. I'm so glad that the children didn't actually eat the food. Yes. Yeah, me too. I was really worried about that. Yeah. If you really like this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talko Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time. Beef stew. It's what's for dinner. I'm tired of the hot. I need it to be cool. Oh, well, you, you say know you that, moved to South Carolina. That's the problem with you Northerners. Come down here, and then you expect to change things. You know, it'll come. Y'all come down here to where I stay and where I live. When I was, you know, having a peaceful life on my farm, y'all come down here and y'all put y'all's buildings. 
and all y'all's cars and stuff down here. Did we not change your life for the better? And then y'all make it where it's unlivable almost. That's how the northerners do it. We're sorry. Well. I'm not sorry. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Thanksgiving is when we killed all them Indians. It is my favorite <laughs> holiday. No, I mean, we didn't kill the Indians. Tomorrow Excuse me? Tomorrow, I'm talking about on Thanksgiving. They didn't kill the Indians. They ate with them. But tomorrow's Columbus Day, and that's a totally different story. So, yeah. Tomorrow. We've been killing Indians ever since we landed here. I know, but the day is not about killing Thanksgiving is Indians. not about killing Native Americans. Tomorrow, Columbus Day, like I said, kind is a totally is. different story. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, 